Have y'all jumped on Top Shot? What's up? Have y'all jumped on this Top Shot thing? I think we uh, jumped on Snapchat. No, I don't. I refuse to find out what it is. I know, no, it's no, like... no, 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 <laughs> no. <clears throat> I saw a tweet from them today about a new pack. Of Digital collectibles. To get an item, like a pack of what? Your imagination? It's like nothing. It's like not an actual tangible thing. Like exactly, dude. They've got uh, they've got ballers that will do a live stream, and they'll open this pack on yeah. the live stream. Like that, that that's an actual thing going on. Like with NBA guys. Yeah. No. They, no. No. This is the strongest take I will have all day, <laughs> all year. Top shot. No. Get it away from me. Lord. I don't care. I'm not buying highlight crypto. Not happening. With absolutely no value. It, I mean, like uh, apparently people have value. made money on it, though. Like right. I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> I'm gonna sound like an old man, but no, it scares me. <laughs> Get it away from me. <laughs> it's, okay, do you just not trust yourself, John? Do you just not trust yourself? Everything. It? Everything. <laughs> what do you mean I'm going to buy a, a highlight of Zion Williamson dunking the ball for three grand <laughs> and it's the only one made in stock? Uh, like, you mean this isn't on YouTube? This hasn't been pirated in a million places and I'm going to get screwed later? No. No. Exactly. I have games that I've downloaded, like... I shouldn't. Oh, it's too late now because we're already <laughs> recording. But I, there's games that I have downloaded on my laptop that have highlights. So guess what? If your Top Shot has like uh, the De- Demar Derozan dunk against uh, Toronto when the Spurs played him in San Antonio, uh, yeah. and you think that that's going to be worth a lot of money, I hate to break it to you. I'm going to go and take that fucking game that I have into VLC or into uh, Adobe and clip it. And guess what? Your crypto's worthless. And Mike, you're going to have to bleep out that cussing because I just realized we're recording. And it, <laughs> and it didn't cost me $3,000 either. It's like just- and it did it exactly. You made nothing. I'm uh, going to recreate this. I'm going to sell it back to Top Shot. How's that? <laughs> you don't you don't want Lonnie going off against the Rockets? We like it. You don't want to own that. Is that going to be you know right, exactly. I won't say that out loud. I was going to say is that going to be worth anything, but I'll be nice. Oh. That that's the need of coffee. That's the need of second cup of coffee needing to be kicked in. version. Thank you. <laughs> See, this is this is just like uh, like t- I thought. Tops did it really creatively when they started creating those Tops Now cards. I don't know if you guys do sports cards still or not. Um, I've but, seen that. That I like that more. Yeah, I mean those are awesome. Uh, when when the AAF was an actual thing, I got the Johnny Manziel debut card yeah. of his of his moment of his and first. His he, he enters the league. Yeah, and then it, well, I mean, he played like three games, oh, but then he never played, played the one in, in San Antonio. San Antonio, that's right. Right, like, and then the uh, the league folds, of course. But I like those <laughs> moments because that's something tangible. Like, yeah. I can, I can, I can take that and I can display that on a shelf. Like, what, what are you going to buy a Top Shot frame now? That's going to digitally play whatever gifts you buy, and you have. And then, what if that gets stolen? Does that just does somebody just steal your your digital? But it's encrypted and blah blah blah. <laughs> and no, buy, like an iPad for no. yeah. one of your. Uh... Each one of your like highlights. Oh my god! <laughs> hanging iPads on the wall behind. <laughs> the- uh, this is my Top Shot that I spent six thousand dollars on. Okay, yeah, cool. 
I, I think that it's more of an open and flip, like just open and flip, open and flip those packs. Yeah. Then, if you were going to do it at all, that's got to be where the money is. These can't be collectible, right? They, you, you, there's like you, like we're talking about. There's nothing to do with them. You can't show them. You can't take them anywhere. You can't even prove that it's the only one in existence if they say it is. Yeah, and and the, I think the worst part is some of. The, I think some of the packs are like nine ninety nine, and they tell you, well, there's only like three thousand made. And I go, that, what does that mean? <laughs> what do you mean I'm buying digital highlights for nine ninety nine, and they made 3,000 of them? This but is I'm, the internet. Like, I, <laughs> the, the, all the encryption in the world, all that stuff, to me, that does not matter. This isn't, like, actual physical money. This isn't Bitcoin or anything like that. And, and by the way, if you are actually flipping this for a profit, who is the moron that is buying this at, like spending extra for your top shot that you already bought, right? Like, you know what's people crazy? with like, way too much money to begin with. Like Johnny, you know I like Gary Vee and all that and stuff, and then, and he and a lot of other people are like, "Oh, this is the future and this and that." And we're just like, "Hmm, living in a pandemic or living Gary, in a world no. where top shots is an no. actual thing." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! And, and what if Top Shot folds? Do you? have any value like because who hosts these gifts do you download them to your computer i i i i don't know i, I don't want, know i need to talk to the players association i want to talk to chris paul someone's getting sued i want my money back i want my highlights back i'm gonna own this for the rest of eternity <laughs> i don't know what's gonna happen <laughs> i i think the guy even I, I gotta be honest guys even talking about this i'm kind of intrigued to buy a pack to see how it all goes all right, and that's our cue to start the episode. Welcome, everyone, to episode nine of the Forever Toros podcast. Mike, in my notes, I've called this Gubble Trouble. Isn't that clever? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so there's our title. So uh, with there, we've got a lot to cover. We won't bog you down with the details of Austin's last six games since we recorded. Uh, Austin is three and three in their last six games. Obviously, some of that is due to Trey Jones and Lucas Shamanich being in San Antonio. Or technically, just being with the Spurs is there. They just finished the rodeo road trip, or however they want to work that out, because it wasn't really a rodeo road trip anymore. Uh, real brief, uh, you know, I feel like a jinx. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, because I remember, I think before we recorded, or at the end of the last episode, I was like, yeah, I don't see anyone on the Canton charge that I'm really too worried about. And then the Spurs lose to Canton 109-89, so that worked out really well. Uh, Luca did not play in that game due to a sprained finger. Uh, Trey Jones with 10 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds. Kenny Williams with 17.6 rebounds. Uh, then a comeback win against the Rio Grande Valley Vipers. Uh, Luca came back with 29 points, albeit on 25 shots and 12 rebounds. Uh, Trey Jones, 14 points, 9 assists. London Parents and Malik Pope with 14 points each, so that was good to see. Always good to see the bench guys get involved. Uh, the Spurs also beat the Westchester Knicks, 125-118. Luka with 17 and 9, Trey Jones 20 points, 9 assists, 7 rebounds. Anthony Mathis, uh, my goodness, 23 yes. points in 20 minutes off the bench. That was amazing. 
I, I'm liking him more and more the more I actually get to watch of him. Uh, and Cam Reynolds, we, we can't leave out Cam, 20.7 rebounds. Then the loss to the Bluecoats, who are obviously one of the more, I guess, elite teams in the G League. And shout out Julian Washburn on that uh, Austin Spurs alum, Julian Washburn on that Bluecoats team. Uh, good to see him out there and still getting some run. Uh, Anthony Mathis, 33 points in that game. Galen Robinson finally came back. Uh, out of the available player pool, he's now with Austin uh, with the loss of Trey Jones to San Antonio. So Galen Robinson led the team with 14 assists. And our friend Bob Woodard, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, the next two games, the loss to the Salt Lake City Stars, 113-106. Robert Woodard, 25 points, 9 rebounds. Jalen Morris with 24 points and 5 rebounds. And then yesterday's uh, oh. <laughs> mind-blowing comeback against Iowa in <laughs> overtime. Uh, Cam Reynolds with 23-4-4, and Anthony Mathis 27-5, Bob Woodard with 28 points and 17 rebounds. So we've gotten that out of the way. Uh, where, where should we start? Jonas, I, I want to I turn to you. Who's the leader now? Because looking at the Spurs' leading scorer, it's Kyrie Thomas who's played two games. So right. who, who's the leader of this team moving forward? The leader of this team has to be Robert Woodard II. Um, and I think that that's kind of a, a default uh, because he's the highest ranking player on this team, the last one that has an NBA contract. Uh, but that being said, and he's a, I think he's a very easy answer for that reason. But Cam Reynolds really showed last night specifically uh, that he's he's the he's the cog that pushes it forward. And looking at the when he had Trey and Luca, Luca's stats looked better, but it was really Trey that ran the show, and it was Trey's consistency that kept the team in there and what he did on both ends of the floor. And I think that that's the role that Cam Reynolds is filling right now, not from a distribution standpoint, but just from a okay, you need me to take over right now, I can do that. Um, so it's, it's, it's a combo effort. The easy answer is it, it, on the stat sheet is to look at it and say, okay, this is Robert Woodard, you know, the, the second team now, but I, there's a reluctance because he's a member of the Kings organization here on assignment. Uh, I think that I'd like to go with Cam Reynolds. Mike, what about you? I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of like a, a two headed thing at Woodard and, and, Reynolds that have really come up really big lately. Um, they're they're just playing so so great. It seems like they need somebody to step up, kind of with uh, Luca and Trey going to um, uh, San Antonio or on the road with, with Spurs, and those two have have uh, stepped up and have, have played really well. It almost makes me wish that Lottie Divac was still in charge at Sacramento because then they could like <laughs> trade him like they could trade him like a G League like top shot for like Robert Woodard or something. Here we uh, go with the top shot. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, those two have been really impressive lately, and uh, yeah, I mean it's been fun watching them because it it's it's one of those things where I'll be honest, the first. It, I, I I'm probably like most uh, casual team fans where I watched every single game when uh, Luca and Trey were in the uh, couple, and now all of a sudden I haven't watched as many, or I like I watched like <laughs> half of last night's game, and so I missed the entire drama and everything of the comeback until Jonas said something. But um, 
just going back and seeing what they've done, I mean, they've been really big for the for the team. Yeah, I, so I missed last night's game because we were recording uh, Spurs Rewind on the Project Spurs Network, shameless plug. Uh, and in the middle of that, Joe had tipped us off that Austin was down pretty big. And I was like, well, you know, they don't have Luca and they don't have Trey. You know, Robert Woodard could probably do only do so much. And then as we finish recording, I get the messages in Slack from you guys. And I was like, uh, they just came back and it's an overtime. I'm like, wait, excuse me? Like, <laughs> I went yeah. back and saw the highlights and I just see, like, I think Austin's down 20 and Robert Woodard just decides to fake a drive, go between his legs, step back and hit a mid range jumper. And I go, holy crap. Like, who just does that down 20 so casually? And, like, just like if he just could do that move in his sleep. So, I, I mean, for me, I think Cam Reynolds is obviously probably the leader with the veteran presence, emotional leader and stuff, but Bob Woodard's talent and stuff, but Bob Woodard's talent and mesmer, his, he's mesmerizing at this point. And sidebar, who's going to be the first NBA GM to trade for a top shot or a player for a top shot? It, it has to be Daryl Morey, right? <laughs> Maybe. Daryl Morey is so into yeah, the whole tech and analytics and stuff like that, and he always put the Sloan Conference, that has to be the pick. Either I mean, either him or, or, or could we say Mark Cuban owner? Just going to go ahead and throw that out there too? Oh, mm. man, that's a good one. And the, I think the perfect storm would be like either Cuban or Maury going after Spencer Dinwiddie and paying him in like a top shot <laughs> since he tried to do that whole Bitcoin thing last year. Oh, I think that's that would be perfect, honestly. They're signing players to crypto now. There was an NFL player this year that agreed to take half of his, his payment of his contract in Bitcoin. So it, it, we're not too far off from tra- uh, from top shots. And uh, LeBron can collect the entire league at that point as part of his next contract. Chris Paul, get on it. Put it in the CBA. Anyway, (laughs) uh, so we should talk about Luka and Trey in the bubble. Uh, Only uh, seven games for Trey, uh, 18.1 points, 9.7 assists, 5.3 rebounds. He shot 45% from the floor, 9% from three, but that's a little misleading because his only make was literally a half-court shot. At the, it was awesome. <laughs> awesome. So on the awesome skill, he's shooting 100%, but from three, he's actually shooting 9%. <laughs> and from the free throw line, 83%. Mike, uh, just your general thoughts on Trey Jones in the, in the gobble uh, from what we've seen so far, because obviously we don't know if this is going to be uh, the end of his gobble experience or if he's going to have more playing time, possibly. Yeah, I mean, some players just, just have it. You know, it seems like in... You could talk about, you know, the transition from G League to NBA, but at that position, I, I don't know if you can fake being a point guard and being a a reliable point guard at, you know, at many levels. And so for him, it I think after we saw a few games, I was like, okay, this kid's for real. He's got the goods. He's going to end up doing something. And it may not be like right away or anything, but uh, he's definitely skilled and he's got, Everything like kind of he need what he needs, even when he was playing, he only got a few minutes uh, the other day. But you felt like with the ball in his hands, you know, I hate to pick on Patty Mills, but I kind of <laughs> feel like I would have trusted Trey more in that situation than Patty because it just seems like he's gonna make the right decisions and he's gonna not gonna force anything and he's just gonna be patient and uh, you know I, I don't know if that's just something that came from his schooling and, and uh, you know, playing college basketball uh, with players he did. But 
I I was really impressed by him and and for them to be able to pick him up and he just seems like he's going to be one of those like rare like complete players that can play on both ends, um, really solid and so you know I don't know what else he could have done. It seems like he was uh, racking up the assists and still got rebounds and everything like that and and, and scored when he needed to, which he felt he I, I kind of like. That's another, I think, important thing, too, is to be able to gauge, like, when your team needs you to score and when they need you to be more of that distributor. Yes. And he was able to get the other players involved. And so, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I will say that he has hops that I didn't know he actually had. His ability to attack the rib is really, really good. And, and quickly. It was too. really impressive, honestly. Yep. Uh, what did you see, Jonas, from Trey Jones? I think that we saw from Trey what he told us, um, you know, he wanted to give us in in Austin, with with Austin, and that is he wanted to be a field general and a leader on both ends of the floor. Uh, he he did a very good good job uh, generating steals, uh, pulling one point one like one and a half roughly per game, but it felt like he had more than that. Uh, he he did his best impressions of Dejounte Murray at times. Um, you know, poking the ball away and then getting down floor for some of those dunks that I don't even know that the Spurs knew they were getting when they drafted him because yeah. <laughs> as to his own, you know, to his own credit, he said that he didn't show Duke fans that he never dunked the basketball like that because, well, quite frankly, he didn't have to when you're playing with Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett and, and, and Zion Williamson, you know, <laughs> there's, you're, you're more of a distributor, but one of the things that I still want, like, I don't think that he's quite ready for the San Antonio level yet. Um, I really want to see him more in Austin running the system, which he said he told he was able to tell us after games that, you know, yes, uh, Coach Nielsen is able to run something similar to what the Spurs are, are running. And, and I had asked Coach Nielsen earlier in the season if he, if he had to hold anything back because you do have a Kings player in Robert Wood the second on this team and how much terminology and how much, how, how much of the, of the setups and do you, would you want to use from the Spurs system here, uh, and, and help, but, and helping Trey's development for running that offense. But he did have three turnovers per game and it kind of seemed like when it rained, it poured. So yeah. where like where he might see the ball see see like the court better than Patty Mills, I think that he's still young enough and confident enough in his abilities to make those really tough passes, which uh it's a gunslinger mentality in football and I think that it it's just a super confidence factor at at, at in basketball, but the I think that there's a value in being willing to take that shot and make that hard pass because it means you're trying to catch the defense off too, which could uh, end up paying off. But I, I like what I've seen from Trey because there, you guys, you guys said it. There's there's a scoring that we didn't know that that he had, but he's also shown us what he set out to show us he could do. I just want to see more of it in Austin where he can become more comfortable running the offense um, because I think that. Guys, there's a push to where he could be the starting point guard within the next season or two, mm-hmm. and where you allow position flexibility for DeJounte and for Derek if you're able to move him up. And then this also, of course, allows the Spurs to honorably relieve themselves of Patty Mills' contract because you now have a, a point guard waiting in the wings. I So I, I, I have a question for y'all. I, I feel like... I agree with all that, especially as, as Trey Jones being a floor general. And 
I feel like he obviously does need to know the system more and needs to be around those teammates more. So we can't judge him too harshly off of, you know, just a a bunch of guys that are getting to know each other at Walt Disney World inside of a hotel room. But would it would I be wrong in saying I would like to see what Trey Jones can do off ball to see if he can develop a shot? Because we did see d- defenses kind of going under screens and kind of crowding the paint on him to make him shoot or pass the ball away. So, Mike, what, what do you think? Would he benefit from being off ball or should he just stay on ball and maybe try to create on his own? Mm, I don't know. I, I feel like right now it's kind of natural for him to be on ball. And uh, I feel like that kind of works to his strengths a little bit more. Uh, where someone like Patty is, is definitely like an off ball, more that type of mold or whatever. So, to me, that just seems like, like his his main strength. And, you know, I think especially if he's going to end up running the team at some point it's kind of good to keep him there and keep him uh growing in that in that mold jonas what about you well i think that it's funny kind of that you ask because in his last roughly two games in austin uh or with austin in the gobble rather uh he did play off ball a little bit more kenny took over the one mm-hmm. um when he when he made his return and, and I don't think that Trey did as well, and you saw the points kind of take a dip. He was really, for the most part, closer to the 20-point-per-game range, and then he just couldn't score off-ball because he doesn't have the outside shot, and I think that I'd be really comfortable with just leaving him as a true point guard who has the ability to drive to the hoop when he needs to um, and, and really focus on just letting him get the rest of the scorers in place and find them where they're at because you have athleticism and scoring from DeJounte, from Keldon, from Lonnie off-ball, from Derek off-ball that I think there's enough already on this team where somebody just needs to facilitate and somebody just needs to find those guys when they're open instead of asking them to find their own shot or create their own shot. Um, I, I want to leave him as the floor general. I think that Pop has asked that of him, which is why he said when he entered the Gubble that he wanted to focus on emphasize and, and, and have an emphasis on being a floor general. I think that's the team asking that of him too. I think that's why they drafted him. And so I'd like to keep him on ball as opposed to off. And I, I will say, I mean, you know, I, I love Patty, but there probably is some kind of parting of ways coming between him and San Antonio just because of the contract and because you have so many up-and-coming guards. I think maybe at max, maybe there's a year or two there as as a buffer, a bit of like a buffer between whatever happens. But I'll even credit to DeJounte, uh, the development that he's shown in two months, especially yeah. that OKC game, San Antonio looked absolutely lost without him on the floor. And that's not something that I ever thought he was capable of. I thought Derek White would probably take those duties away from him. So uh, that was actually really good to see. And, you know, if if they can develop Trey to be that guy behind him in the future, even if he doesn't have an outside shot, that's great. Especially his defense is going to be his best asset always. And the way him and Devin could share the floor together, oh. uh, that that is something to look forward to for sure. Um, moving on, obviously, we've got to talk about Luca. 
uh, I'm sure I'm, I don't know about you guys. I'm a little tired of the Luca talk because uh, him getting the start in OKC, like turned up the hype train to a thousand. Oh, yeah. it, it was yeah. top shot height, uh, hot levels of height. Yeah. It, it was yeah. top shot height, uh, hot levels of height. <laughs> so 21.8 points, which was up six from last year. Uh, 11.3 rebounds up four. Uh, a, a slight improvement with 2.2 assists per game, and his turnover stayed the same at three. Uh, didn't really improve much shooting-wise. Uh, 44% from the field, 30% from three, uh, which was down just a little bit. Uh, I don't really know what to make of his time in the bubble. Like it, He seemed more confident, which is, I guess, the biggest, uh, <laughs> probably the most important thing, honestly. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, maybe getting to learn how to use his size properly. So, Jonas, what did you see from Luca in his six games in Disney World? I saw, uh, a, a, like you said, he's building more confidence, but he, he took about three quarters every game, for whatever reason, to find himself. And then, with the team down and in need of a hero, there was always fourth quarter Luca waiting there in the wing, <laughs> ready to go off. And he brought it time and time again to where it became an actual thing that you could kind of just bank on. And you saw Coach Nielsen take him out there at the end of the third, and he'd sit the first couple minutes in the fourth, and you're like, all right, Coach Nielsen knows. He's gearing up for fourth quarter Luka. And what would happen? He'd come out, the three-point shot that wasn't there all game, he'd find it. His touch around the basket, he'd find it. He starts throwing them down, you know, dunks in the paint, finding it. And then even on defense, he's learning how to use his length. So... I, I think that he's I, – I need him to stay in the bubble because I still think he's a bit undersized for the NBA. Um, I, I think that he, he, he really bullied guys at the G League level. And he there, the commentators talked about it all the time about how there, he was just really shoving guys out of the way in the paint and backing them down. And they were like, well, he's, he's going to get called for that at the next level. And I'm, I, I'm like, I don't think he's going to be able to pull it off by any means at the next level. Like, he's, yeah. pushing, <laughs> he's, he's pushing a guy, and, the, and these light-frame G-leaguers are, are moving, and I, that's what's drawing the attention to the action. But he's going to try that against somebody at the NBA level, and, and they're just not going to move. And he's not going to know what to do at that point because he didn't create his space. So I'd like to see him back again back in in the gobble at least to finish his stretch off i understand that they had to pull him away because of the depleted roster and i don't think that trey and luca would have left the gobble if it wasn't for the positive covid you know the uh, not positive tests but the covid environment surrounding those five players when they were in charlotte and so i think that luca has shown me what i needed to with Austin, but I want to see more. And you're right, giving him the start for whatever reason was just unnecessary. I, I like the lineup. That was a lot of size. Him and Jakob and, and Trey Lyles, that was great. But too early, too early. I I will say th- this is more of a question for Paul. And uh, I we talked about it on the Spurs Rewind yesterday. Obviously, there's a LaMarcus element maybe a future LaMarcus coming off the bench element there when this team, when San Antonio is fully healthy. So Luca's starting, it's probably good exposure, but at the same time, um, seems a little early on Mike. If I tell you, 
I, I think this is detrimental to both Trey and Luca's development, bringing them to San Antonio. And I know there isn't a choice. They, they had to do it because of health and safety protocols going on with the team. But how am I wrong in saying it's detrimental, or how detrimental can this be to their, to their development? Well, no, I don't think they're wrong at all, and I, I agree with that, and I think they both needed to be there. Obviously, that wasn't that didn't really play into the cards because of everything going on, but, uh, you, you know, I think they need that time down there, and I think it really helps them. And I, 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 we've said this, you know, as much as people hate to give any credit to the Austin organization and the role that they have, players have going down there and actually learning and improving and developing like Derek White has, like Lonnie has, like there's, I mean, that, that situation is, is I think, definitely beneficial. And I think for both of those players, it would have been perfect for them to stay there. What I'd like to see, and Jodas and I are talking about this, is for them to make it back there, you know, depending on uh, how, you know, the, the dates line up with, um, you know, how serious... The issue was the uh, with the um, COVID and things like that. I'd like to see them back there for a playoff run and just get more more time. A lot of times, I think when you throw, I think with, with Luca, in fact, when you throw somebody out there and give them a lot of minutes, obviously it's a game that maybe doesn't matter a lot right now. But you're kind of throwing into the fire before he's ready. I think, especially in, in a starting position. And I know that the Luca train is gonna like probably say a few things about me saying this, but <laughs> it's just there's a difference, right? And, and so with Luca, he didn't take any steps backward, which is great, and he's showing some improvement. I like the rebounding, things like that. But he still needs more time. He still needs to build up that upper body a little bit more because what he was able to get away with and like the bowling. Yeah, try that against like a Bam Autobio or somebody like that, and see where that gets yeah. you. It's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, you probably need to hurt yourself trying to pull your way into him. So you know, I, I think things like having the time, having more minutes, and playing in that system are definitely beneficial and and something we need to see uh, for both of them to be back down there. I will say, uh, Lucas, I think it was the first basket, and I think it was Al Horford was a defender, where he tried to do like a little bit of a move right by the basket. And I, I, I just remember the commentary was like, oh, like nice footwork by Luca. Oh, but yeah. it, it seemed really unintentional. It, it felt like an unintentional Euro step because he tried to like go in the chest and just was like, oh, I, I can't move this guy, and then just kind of <laughs> throw up a floater. Uh, <laughs> I will. Uh, so. We should talk about the, the timeline that we're dealing with right now. Uh, Austin has, I believe, four games left, if I'm not mistaken. or It might be more. But I'm bad at math, but yes, they've, they've got a, approximately seven more days um, left left in the, the gubble. Um, but I believe you're right, that four-game mark. Yeah, and, and so we've got the NBA All-Star game is the seventh. I believe Austin's last game might be the 6th of March. Yes, and then the ignite. Yeah, and then and then we've got playoffs after that. I I can't remember the exact date, uh, the that the whole San Antonio issue happened. I know it's been we're we're approaching that ten day mark. That also doesn't guarantee anything because obviously, if these guys are still in Charlotte uh, quarantine until they're testing negative, and San Antonio only has 
two games left, I believe, which, which is uh, one coming up tomorrow night and then the game against uh, Brooklyn. Uh, the timeline here is really strange because if they can get any of those guys back, I would say by the Brooklyn game, maybe you ship Luka and Trey to the Gubble as soon as possible or do you keep him in San Antonio? And here's the other factor that we haven't talked about yet. San Antonio has 40 games in like 60-something days coming up after the All-Star break. So do you risk sending these guys to the Gubble and hope that with injuries and, you know, no one knows when DeMar's coming back. Obviously, he can take as much time as possible with what happened with him. Uh, these the, the COVID guys with the health and safety protocols, they're going to have to take as much time as they can because I think it's two two or three negative tests before they can come back. And that timeline, and LaMarcus is coming back from injury. There, there's so many factors here. So, Jonas, like, do you see them? Do you think they should go back to the gubble? Or is this kind of worst-case scenario, they're going to just be stuck in San Antonio now and probably playing in those 11 back-to-backs that San Antonio has? <laughs> well, I, I think they should go back to the gubble. And they should be a part of this playoff push. Um, there's there's no replacement for winning. And right from the get-go, when the team broke out on a five-game winning streak uh, before falling to Delaware, uh, you could kind of see that the confidence was building. And if you can build a winning mentality within Luca and within Trey, and they know that they were the catalyst that got that done, that's going to help them so much at the next level. And you can look at the second half schedule that got released and, and talk about the short time frame for all these games. But in, in the grand scheme of things, what is two weeks? Two extra weeks. We're not talking about a three-game playoff series per round of the, of the of the G League playoffs. This is single elimination. Yeah, we'll be done by we'll be done with this by halfway through March. So you're talking about uh, one two weeks by the time the season ends, and then you get to crown a champion. Hopefully, it's the Austin Spurs, and then they the guys go back to San Antonio anyway. But now they have a, a different level of confidence. They feel, they come in feeling like champions, knowing that they just got to hang a banner at the HEB Center at Cedar Park, and they'll get a, uh, they'll get their own little ring next year. That that is something that I think is important for both of these players in their development. And it will help the Spurs in the long run. You have the rest of the season to put because because the the G League is done at this point. And we're now going into April. So you'll have the rest of the season to work in Luca and work in Trey with minutes. And you might have to lean on guys like like we didn't even send uh Keita Bates Diop to to the to the bubble at all. Yeah. So I think that that's a great player that can just go ahead and take uh, any minutes you want to give to Luca. Go ahead and lean on Trey a little bit more while while Lamarcus is coming back. Lamarcus came in off the bench the other night. Um, you know, I think more because they needed to have bodies than anything. But go ahead and and just finagle and manage that roster to get you through another week and a half. Now the question is: Is can these guys go back into the bubble with enough time to be able to play? Once the, you get enough bodies back in San Antonio to to put an actual team on the floor, yeah, that's a great point. That's going to be the next question. So once that point happens, can they go in? If assuming they've been testing negative the entire time, because they have to be tested nightly too, and then they just go, you know, take a private jet back into Orlando, 
uh, and get tested there again and just start playing. There's going to be instant chemistry with these guys. The rest of the, I think that it's maybe it's a good thing that they had to take this time away because Austin has had to find their heroes in other places to get through this this last five game stretch. Anthony Mathis is playing lights out right now. Yes. Um, Kenny Williams starting to contribute a little bit more on the floor. Galen Robinson in the in Trey's absence is becoming more comfortable. And I think that it was great to bring him back in because he had the Austin experience from last year. So there's already some crossover. This is going to be a well-poised team to win a G League title. Now, at the end, it, this, this isn't hanging number six in the rafters at the AT&T Center. <laughs> but this is this is hanging number, what, three, number two, three. three up there in, in HEB? Uh, at the HEB Center. And, and so I think that there's value in that. Um, and I think that you, all you got to do is look at Derek White and ask him. And he's spoken multiple times when he when he went off on the playoff in the playoffs against the Nuggets just a couple of years back. He spoke about how he'd already been through that kind of experience because he played on a championship team in the G League. And so I think there's that value there. Um, I want them back in in the gobble. Yeah. So to, so to clarify, San Antonio has four games before the All Star break. Uh, we can pretty much rule out Saturday as any of the guys coming back. Uh, San Antonio will drop there. We're recording this on Friday the 26th, so the day before uh, the game against the Pelicans. The Spurs will drop their injury report tonight, uh, and so we'll see who actually plays against the Pelicans tomorrow. Then there's the back-to-back between Brooklyn and New York. So you would hope that if you can get some of these guys back for that Monday game, that maybe the Austin guys could go back to the Gubble. But then by by that point, these guys have already been off for two weeks. What is their conditioning levels like? Uh, are there other injuries, other concerns going into that back-to-back? So at the latest, we, we should see maybe a full Spurs team that last game uh, Thursday against the Thunder, which means if that's the case, then, San, then Austin would only have one game left in their season, which would be Saturday against the the nice. Ignite. Which we obviously that's what we really want is a full yeah. Austin Spurs squad against the yes. Ignite team. So, and then there's five games left for Austin, uh, sitting in fifth place, tied for fifth or tied for third actually with the Blue Coats and the Warriors, but they already yeah. lost to the Blue Coats. Uh, and I believe oh, the next game was against the OKC Blue, who are seven and two. And then second in the gubble. So, you know, playoff hopes are still alive. Like Jonas said, it's still single elimination. Uh, there's a lot of just a, just a lot of concern about what, what the whole testing scenario is. And, you know, coming out of the gubble, great. They could probably play instantly because of the environment is being controlled. But going back in, you know, we've seen other players go back in and play almost immediately. So hopefully they can do that. Uh Jonas, you brought up Key Debates Diop real quick. Uh, I'll turn to you, Mike. That that game against OKC, I mean, Key Debates Diop did really well, and I know he's kind of forgotten because he's a two way guy who hasn't really played in Austin. He didn't play in Austin. He hasn't really played for San Antonio. Everyone knows Quindary Weatherspoon already, and he's been out, you know, with the whole COVID issue, but. Keita with 20 minutes off the bench, uh, nine points, four rebounds, two assists, and four steals. And I have to wonder what's stopping Pop from maybe the next game starting him at small forward over Trey Lyles in that bigger lineup. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on Keita Bates-Diop in that game against OKC? 
It's fun because I remember, you know, when they signed him and everything, and I thought that he'd spend a lot of time with Austin, but I remember, like, one of the first games I saw him in with uh, San Antonio, uh, he's impressive, he looks good, and he looked like he was kind of, like, ready, like, he'd kept himself in good shape and things like that, and there was more to his game uh, than I thought originally, and, you know, he's shown flashes here and there in his time with Denver and, and Minnesota, but then he got, you know, very limited playing time in his last stop. But he's showing that he can come in and create some offense and shoot from the outside and things like that. And so, especially when they've had trouble scoring from outside, to have a guy like that come in, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him get get uh, a few more minutes in there. And, you know, with, with, with uh, Lyles, I mean, some that makes for, like, a, a bigger lineup, but it also makes for a slower lineup. So, uh, with Kittabates, yep, I think that, that as, as long as, you know, you have players out, I, I feel like, why not give it a try and see how he does? I mean, he's done well in, in very limited minutes so far, and he, you know, has the, the size and the skill set to play kind of multiple positions. He could play, you know, probably from two to four, uh, so... Yeah, I, I definitely like to see it. I've been impressed by him. I, I thought he was a, a really solid pickup. And originally when I saw it, I was like, okay, this is the guy that they'll see and see if he has any uh, legs left, after, if he has anything left as far as a career goes. But it's, it's definitely a capable player. Yeah, for me, I mean, I, I think we've touched on this in the past, but I'm honestly surprised that Keita was able to be picked up on a two-way. Yeah, I, I, but I don't know if that's. I mean, we can kind of pinpoint probably why you know Minnesota is not exactly the pinnacle of player development, and he didn't really get much of an opportunity with Denver last year. But that that's someone who's a seasoned veteran because you know he came out of college after playing four years at Ohio State. Like he he's not some kind of scrub or anything like that. And you know, I, I kind of. Yeah, and, and I, you know what I find interesting? It, it's something that we touched on yesterday. That 2018 NBA draft was actually pretty deep when you start going back through the names. And for him to be a part of that draft class and still have the ability to, you know, Lonnie Walker is the same draft class. That, that 2018 class is not that old. Keita Bates-Diop has plenty of time to still make something of himself, even if it's as a role player. Uh, you know, it, it, just doing niche things. Like, he, he did really good at just hustling. And it was something that was just really impressive. Like, he he has this, like, big man mentality with the guard skill set. Right. And I think it would probably be the only real big mistake I noticed was I think he tried to box out Luka on an offensive rebound and put up a really <laughs> poor shot. But it, it just seems like he's – he seems like he's what, what the Spurs could use in the future if this thing goes to all hell, especially in the second half with the schedule – uh, that that seems like someone that could get extra run and see if there's a future there for him. Uh, also, just realizing Keita Bates-Diop was taking the pick before Chibezi met to. Wow. Uh, so wow. Th- that that kind of shows you that, you know, there, there's definitely something there if they can, if they can unlock it. Uh, I will say uh, I don't think he's going <laughs> to see any time in the gubble once, everything, once everyone comes back. I think maybe his... His uh, ability to showcase himself is going to be on those back-to-backs, uh, you know, with Rudy Gay's age, injury history, Lamarcus's, and Trey Lyles just seemingly unable to get out of Pop's doghouse. 
<laughs> which no one knows exactly why, but uh, just watch him handle the ball or look d- like dead at DeJounte Murray's eyes and still bring the ball up. I think that's where you can kind of figure out why he's in the doghouse. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, uh, we've got some interesting times coming up. I mean, there's no shortage of content with both Spurs teams. I can say that much pretty easily. Right. Uh, so with we- the, uh, I had a quick question before yeah. we leave Bates Diop. Uh, in usual years, you know, if this wasn't a gubble experience or anything like that, uh, then you, your two-way guys would only be available for 45 games. Yeah. Right? 40, no, 45 days. Oh, sorry, Not 45 days, yes. And so Keita hasn't been sent to the gubble at all. Um, he's been listed with the team this entire stretch. So is, I mean, do you guys feel that they're going, that the NBA is going to just kind of let that slide and he's going to continue to be available as you enter the second stretch of the, of the, of the schedule? Or are we going to, at some point, get, get the, you, you're close to your data usage limit on Keita Bates Diop and, and the timer's going to start ticking as to how much Pop's going to be able to use him? So I, I'll say this much. I know the NBA, allowed the teams to carry 40 or 17 players 45 players that'd be insane this isn't a football team <laughs> 17 players but they never specified if the two-way rules were still intact mike correct right. me if i'm wrong no, i never I, saw anything I, that been, said i've been curious yeah. the same thing I, I i i don't know um like i i don't remember seeing anything definitive as far as you know if they are still gonna keep by those rules or if they're gonna be strict by them um, or you know, if if it does end up turning into like a fully guaranteed contract if he plays longer, so I think that's that's been a lot of those like question marks with how how quickly they start the league up after like seemed like months of nothing, and I think that's just one of those things that never got a- answered. Yeah, I think the only thing that we've seen. Uh the G League get clarified with on the 45 days or what the NBA clarified, travel days no longer counted, I think, at last check. Mm. So it was just like practice days and game days. Uh, but even then, I mean, obviously the Spurs are notorious for not practicing, even though they did practice the other <laughs> night after after the game against OKC. But I, I, I feel like the NBA just kind of just said, hey, don't worry about the 45-day rule without actually explicitly listing it as – Hey, the forty-five day rule is waived because that I don't know when G League contracts or two-way contracts are usually guaranteed first week of January, which would have been like the second week of the season. So maybe that's one of those things where they just didn't want to say it, so teams wouldn't abuse it. But it was kind of a wink, wink. Hey, you're going to have these guys for the whole season. Play them gotcha. uh, if if you need to. Um, but that is that is really interesting because I mean they're they're going to need him. I mean the sixty eight ga- days and forty games you're going to need your two way guys, <laughs> especially with the Spurs veterans and the young guys. You don't want them to burn out, especially if this is going to be a playoff team. That uh, yeah. you're going to need every warm body you can get, any every six fouls that you can get out of someone. So that that is definitely something to watch, and hopefully because we would love to talk about Keita Bates Diop more. Uh, it's a shame we can't do it in Austin and see the full range of his skill set, but that's just the circumstances of 2021. I, I think that he might have been a, a gubble candidate had they not picked up Robert Woodard II. Absolutely. They, yeah. They're very similar players yep. um, with a very similar skill set, the ability to handle the ball with their size, uh, inside-outside scoring. Um, 
maybe that's where that one guy hit. But I, I was just wondering, guys, because I hadn't seen anything either. So I, I wanted to check in on that. And, and while we mentioned that, I, I think, you know, probably someone that's been hurt by this the most is Queen Derry Weatherspoon because he's coming off the injury. He's missed a lot of time. Uh, not getting the playing time, and then now the whole COVID episode. It, right. It's it, he's just not seeing any run whatsoever. Even even the garbage time minutes aren't even there for him, which is kind of sad. But it, it's something that you know I, I don't know where he fits in in the guard rotation. Even if a fully, even if the roster is limited or fully healthy, even on a back to back, I don't see where he fits in. If if the gobble's over, the playoffs are over, and you have Trey Jones, why wouldn't you just give those minutes to Trey Jones? Or even ten day uh, Cam Reynolds, or, yeah. or or a Mathis, somebody who's a truer outside shooter um, than Quindary. You know, and, I don't, and we'll see how that even comes into play too with the ten day as we get get ready for the second half of the schedule. If they're going to bring that back, um, and 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 in terms of the contract situations, there's so many more questions as the NBA still tries to piece together what the season looks like. Yep, and that's going to be something to watch moving forward, uh, especially now that as we approach the playoffs. Uh, hopefully, we'll have more to talk about, and hopefully, I mean, just they just have to hold on for at least three games. Three games in, in the NBA, <laughs> just hold on. Uh, last night was a good example of them holding on, and hopefully, uh, Robert Woodard can uh, carry this team to a playoff spot. So, uh, great episode, guys. Michael Jonas, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Forever Toros. Be sure to follow them on Twitter. Be sure to check out ProjectSpurs.com for any updates and news and notes. Uh, Project Spurs on Twitter. Project Spurs Net on Twitter. Uh, Jonas has his podcast, The Texas Half Court Trap. And also check out the Spurs cast. We're obviously on the Spurs cast feed, so if you're subscribed, you'll see us pop up. If you're not subscribed, rate, subscribe, review trying to get those numbers up like always and a big thank you to paul garcia for having us on his feed because obviously he doesn't have to host forever toros but a big thank you to him because he does and also a big thanks to michael for mixing and producing this episode so from all of us at forever toros thank you for listening and have a great day I was at Walmart the other week, and after all the shit happened, and so I was in there to get groceries, whatever I could find on the shelves, and there was one thing, I was I was kind of in the mood for some beer, and I was just over in the beer aisle, and I see one box of the Budweiser Fiesta bottles tucked in the back of the cooler, <laughs> and I was like, done. Yeah, somebody was hiding it, but I jacked that shit. I have to be of legal age to even enter the website to buy gear. Come the fuck on, Budweiser. Yeah. Is that like seriously? Like anybody that can do math, it's like a kid in high school could easily. <laughs> no shit. That's how I used to play fantasy baseball. Yep. <laughs> Back in the day, I'd be like, "Yes, I was born in 1978." And Thank I got a, you. I got a throwback. That's how I got on MySpace the first time because <laughs> MySpace used to be like you had to be like 16, and I was 14 in high school. I was like, "Oh fuck." 
I guess I can make myself two years older. Why not? <laughs> you're not. You're not gonna not gonna come check my ID, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and I think like a year later, they're like, "Okay, you can be 14 to get a MySpace." And I'm like, "Well, that was pointless." 